Welcome to Talking Giants. Court is in session. The puns are never ending. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you with my co-host, Justin Panic, And we got a lot to dissect. Joe Judge had his opening press conference. Uh, a lot there. Dave Gettleman spoke. A lot to get to. But Justin, before we get started, how are you doing? How are you feeling about our new head coach now that we've heard him talk more in 30 minutes than he's probably talked in his whole life? <laughs> Bobby, I have to be honest. I'm feeling there's a different vibe and there's a different energy today that I'm feeling in terms of as a Giants fan. Just as a Giants fan as a whole, I hopped on Periscope right after the press conference and I almost couldn't even like contain myself in terms of my overall energy, my overall vibe, and some of the things that I had to say about Joe Judge because I know that these are just words. I recognize that these are just words that he said. We are not seeing results on a football field. We are not seeing moves that are, that are being made in terms of front office and personnel. Uh, we, we, we don't even know what his staff looks like yet. But just based off of his words, I'm putting my head down to go to sleep tonight. And I'm going to go through my day tomorrow being happy that I'm a New York football Giants fan. It was a really good pressure. He kind of knocked it out of the park. And like you, like you said, we'll, we'll go through each individually. But we also need to remember that, like you said, it's just words. It doesn't mean a whole lot. Now, we le- we did learn a lot about him, I think, because there wasn't a whole ton of information before this uh, to go off. So we did learn like a decent amount about him. Like I, f- I feel a lot more clear on this hiring uh, after this than I did before. But yeah, words, uh, they don't really mean anything at the end of the day. I went back and listened to Pat Shermer's presser, and boy, it was giggly. They were having, it was a good old time. Everybody's getting along. Everybody's getting telling jokes, and then by the end of it, it was it was horrible. So, uh, if if Joe Judge is a failure after two three years, we're not going to look back at that presser and be like, man, he was really assertive. Like, what an a hole! Uh, this guy is is too tough on his players. Blah blah blah. It all comes down to wins and loss, Justin. Right, but look, just looking at this today, and this press conference as an event. You have to feel just happy about it. You can disagree with, as we've talked about, Dave Gettleman's presence on this team. What we will talk about is Dave Gettleman's philosophy and some of the things that he approaches in terms of football. But for right now, and for what we can feel right now as Giants fans while we're watching the playoffs happen another year where we're going to be sitting on the couch watching other teams in the playoffs, for as of right now and this moment, you got to feel decently good. You got to take the little victories. You got to take the little moments and appreciate those. Yeah, it, it was it was a good presser. So why? I mean, why don't we delay? Stop delaying. Why, why don't we get right into it? I mean, you want to start with the the hard nosed stuff with the not fitting a square peg into a round hole. Blah blah blah. I mean, what 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 do you want to start with first, Justin? Let's start off with. This idea that he learned from Bill Belichick, which is the square hole, round peg, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So we do have a sound bite that we're going to play. Um, do you want to preface it anymore? Or do you just want to play that sound bite? No, go for it and, we'll, talk, and we'll, we'll discuss. Let's do it. Don't try to shove round pegs in the square holes. 
Figure out what you have. Let them play to their strengths. Don't sit in a meeting and tell me what you don't have in a player. Don't tell me they can't do a certain thing. Tell me what they can do, and then we'll figure out as coaches, because that's our job, how we can use that. That's our responsibility. Everybody has something they can do. How many cast-offs you see around the league that end up on another team? Everyone says, wow, how'd they get that out of them? Maybe they just weren't closing their eyes to what they could do. Okay? We have to, as a coaching staff, when we get assembled, we have to make sure we're sitting down, we're patient with our players, we fully evaluate them, we find out what they can do to be an asset, and that we're not foolish enough to not use that. All right, Justin. So that was my favorite part of the whole thing, and I think that's something of substance. And I, We'll talk about you know what he brings over from the Patriots, but I think that's the most important thing that he brings over from the Patriots, Justin, is that the don't put a square peg into a round hole. And I think the Giants kind of did that, with especially on the defensive side. It seemed like Betcher's like, nope, you're going to run my scheme. Where it's like, why are we playing Antoine Bethea 20 yards deep as a, as, a free sa- as a free safety? It just didn't make any sense. And that's my philosophy on football overall. It might be my, my number one philosophy when it comes to the game of football is find what guys do best and put them in situations to do that. And that's why when I'm looking at guys – like I don't claim to be a scout, but when I'm looking at, dra- at draft prospects – let me see what this guy does well, and how can that fit in our role? And is that is can you take that talent and take it at that pick, or will it be there later? Whereas, like for example, a guy like O'Shane Zimenez, is he going to be a complete run stopper? No. So let's get the best out of O'Shane Zimenez, and I think Joe Judge and whoever's their DC is going to like try and do that. We've seen the Patriots do that over and over again, like Kyle Van Noy, a guy who. And Detroit couldn't even get on the field or couldn't be used the correct way. He comes over to New England, and he's a huge piece of that team. I'm telling you, Justin, that is my philosophy when it comes to the game of football. And especially – and not, like, overreacting to – like, I, Justin, remember when we were, they were talking about Nick Gates in the preseason and there was people with scouts who would be like, oh, but his uh, arm length. And I was like, kind of screw his arm length. Like, I'd rather have a guy who uses his hands with be- good technique than a guy with super long arms. Because if you have long arms and you got them out reaching out, then it's it's no different than a guy with uh, short arms who's reaching them out. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like about replacing your hands and stuff like that. It's about technique more than it is size and whatnot. So I think that's something that Joe Judge is going to bring to the Giants, and that's probably the thing I'm the most excited for. Yeah, and as we started this episode, you know, we said a, a few different times these are just words, but what you're seeing within the words is you're seeing a philosophy and. This is a quote that he also had from the presser. What I learned from Bill Belichick, he was asked what he learned from Bill Belichick, what he learned from Saban. And he said, what I learned from Bill Belichick is be flexible in your personnel. Let them play to your strengths. And Bobby, that's exactly what you said. And he even expanded upon this idea when he was talking about he studied every player in the draft. Now, I think he was mentioning the 2018 draft. Don't think he was talking about the 2019 draft. But he said, I studied every player in the draft. And I study them as an athlete, not necessarily as a wide receiver or a tight end or with a certain position. Because even when you think about this perspective that he would come from a special teams coach where he's not looking at players within a certain position. He's like, where can guys fit within my scheme of being a special teams coach? Who is going to be the best athlete? Who is going to do the best job for myself? So really, he is constantly looking at a player's strengths and skills that would fit to the overall team's advantage, not necessarily to fit a certain scheme, a particular scheme. He has to, he 
within his own job for all these years within Alabama and at New England, he has always had to been flexible in this regard. So hearing that this is his philosophy and hearing that he talked about this and manifested these thoughts a few different times throughout this introductory press conference, it really lets me know that he, tr- that he takes it extremely seriously. And that's why having a real head coach is important. And not to say like Shermer and McAdoo weren't real head coaches, even though Kind of, or McAdoo definitely wasn't, but not having a coordinator who just ignores one side of the ball, or he's going to be detailed, um, and that that was another thing that was really stuck out was detail and fundamentals, and that seems like something that comes from Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, where he's going to focus on detail from the first man on the roster to the fifty third man on the roster, and that's where the special teams comes in, where he's dealt with offense, he deals with defense, he deals with the third string linebacker, and he deals with the first string running back. Like he just deals with every single guy on that roster, and I think that kind like helps him garner the respect of an entire uh, roster. Whereas Shermer, like, how do you, how well do you think Shermer was connecting with the defensive players? Not to say that he wasn't doing like a, a good job at it, but it's a lot harder when you're only focusing on one side of the ball. And I've been just I've been part of teams where my head coach only focused on the offense, and the defensive players kind of held grudges against that. And then I've been on a team. Where it was more of like a hard ass coach, like like Joe Judge, where he focused on the whole team and he had the respect of of the majority of the team. Well, clearly that Giants defense in 2019 was victims of the definition of insanity of trying to do the same things over and over again, but failing the same exact ways every single week. And Bobby throughout is the that the season, definition of insanity though? Well, it's 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 not. If you look up the definition of insanity online, it's very different. <laughs> that phrase is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. It's like, you know what the definition of insanity is? It's repeating that and it not being true and you just keep on getting repeated. I don't know. Bad joke. But I'm sorry for ruining your point. Oh, that pisses me off. That pisses me right (laughs) off. There we go. I love it. Utilization of of, of a good soundboard. But you talked about all season. All season you talked about with James Betcher, the fact that his strengths – of his defense is when he is blitzing and the fact that he did not do that and he was conservative and Pat Shermer was a guy that basically just saw that happening and he didn't do anything about it. That has been something that we talked about all year. Joe Judge will hopefully not be a guy that will let a problem go on for an entire year without uh, addressing it at all or, or have not have any kind of answer. But you also talked about how Joe Judge had made it a priority in his pressure to talk about he how he looks individually at every single man that will be on the 53-man roster. And this stuck out to me in regards of, I kind of do want to start off this, start, somewhat start off this show with talking about the Michael K show and that entire crew, especially Peter Rosenberg and Michael K to start off at the three o'clock hour. They talked about how Joe Judge is a hard ass and he may not be able to relate to players, especially young players with this type of mentality. Now, can can anybody win? Can the Giants ever win? If you hire Matt Rule, then he can't relate to players because these guys are getting paid. You hire Joe Judge, who's a hard ass, he can't relate to players because he's a hard ass. <laughs> so <laughs> can can anybody ever win? But neither here nor there. Joe Judge talked about multiple, multiple times how about teaching. He is going to adjust his coaching style to what makes each and every single player tick. He doesn't have his own philosophy, and it's my way or the highway, kind of like you saw early Tom Coughlin, but he is going to find out, and he is going to teach 
what makes players tick, and he will adjust from there. So really, he may be a hard ass, but in terms of him relating to actual players, I'm not that concerned about because he's going to adjust his coaching style depending on his players and what makes them tick. And that's huge. That is huge. And that goes right along with the square peg in a round hole where you don't treat every single player the same. And you can be a hard ass as long as you're getting results. Now, if we just went 2-14 and 14 and he's being a hard ass in week 15, then it's a little bit different. But And also, it's different on if you establish that early. Where unless you like Ben McAdoo, if you're kind of the easygoing blah 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 guy, and then halfway through your second season you start suspending guys, then it's like, well, who are you? Like you haven't gained that respect to be that hardest. So he's coming in right away and doing it with not even like mentioning Saquon and Jones by name, and we can get into that in a second. But yeah, um, coming in and like you said, teaching is like he said that like twenty times. I want to come in and be a teacher, and we know he's trying to get his PhD in, in education. Dr. So, yeah, Judge. It seems like he wants Dr. Judge, Judge Joe. <laughs> the names are endless. Judge Judy. Uh, someone stole my Judge Judy joke. They didn't steal my joke. It was a dumb joke, and it was too easy. Anyways, but yeah, he's going to be a teacher, and hopefully that's what he looks for in his coordinators, is guys that are going to teach their position, teach their offense, teach their defense, and that breeds good football from fundamentals. I mean, he said he's going to teach these guys how to stretch the right way so you're not getting injuries. Uh, he's going to have him practicing in pads. Like, I am pumped for what Joe uh, Judge is preaching. And honestly, you mentioned Matt Rule. That gets guys, grown men, way more pumped when you're just real with them. If you're straight up real and honest with them and saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, but this is how we're going to get better. Way more than it does Matt Rule saying, these players deserve this. It's like, what are you talking about? Are you sure, Matt Rule? Are you sure the second string linebacker on the Panthers deserves Winning because maybe he doesn't act that way. So, and I, I know I'm going to catch blowback for saying like, "Oh, you're just bashing Matt Rule because he's not on there." I was like, "No, I've been talking about the corny thing for a long time," and I was talking to people quietly, uh, not on front of everyone about like, he scares me. But anyways, I don't want to make this about Matt Rule, but it's he's going to come in and gain that respect and be like a man with guys and not hold not hold their hand, but also not be like a, a disciplinarian, a GI Joe kind of guy. I mean, what did we talk about last episode? We talked about this being a people business. And that ESPN article that was from maybe from like 2017, 2018, you talked about this being a people business. So don't don't get this twisted that just because Joe Judge comes off as this G.I. Joe, the Michael K. show compared him to Joe Girardi, just because he may come off as this disciplinarian type of guy, it does not mean that he is not going to understand where these players are coming from because he was a player once himself too. So he did say a quote that he had during his press conference was what? The two things that you need to understand as a head coach, timing and people and people. So I think that is extremely, extremely valuable because he is addressing multiple, multiple things. Yeah. And he kind of like kind of said all the right things. I mean, no, he really and, did. And, <laughs> and we talked about on the last episode about his attention to detail and how huge that is going to be. Um, and, you know, I like talking about mesh routes and things like that. And he's not just saying that. He's going to come in and preach that. Now, whether guys buy in, that's another thing. We like, And I think Kay talked about this, too. We don't have an Odell on this team. We kind of like people joke about culture. But it is a culture of guys who buy in and win. Not to say every guy is the same. Not to say Golden Tate is the, the perfect citizen and he never does anything wrong. 
But it's a, it's a culture of guys who are there to win, play football and win games and buy in. Whether And I know that sounds hollow because we didn't win games, but Jones, I think his mindset puts, sets him ahead from other QBs more than his accuracy. Saquon, we know the kind of guy he is. Uh, Jabril Peppers on defense. like I really think it is a culture of guys who want to put in that work and aren't as much like everyone's a me guy, but aren't to the like the level that Odell was, that Landon was. So um, I I think that's why it's going to work is because of some of the players that are already put in place. No, and that certainly is something that he has on his side. The fact that there isn't an Odell, the fact that there isn't a uh, Landon Collins, Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, so to say, he does have that on his side. That these are guys that are coming off of a four and twelve season. What almost thirty percent. Giants rookie snap share in 2000 and 2019 this season. So am, am I, am I right in that statistics, by the way? I don't know about the percentage, but I, I know it's the second most in the highest percentage. Yeah. So the snap share being that high, it says something. This was not a football team this year that went out and won seven and eight games when they were expected to maybe win five and six. This is a football team that went out and they won four. They won two games against a, a terrible Washington team. And they won one game against a very bad uh, Miami Dolphin team. That it's a CFL team. They're unproven, and just like this head coach has a lot to prove, this football team has a lot to prove. And hopefully, they can buy into his message. Now, something that Michael K did say is that, and this was a criticism, the fact that he does sound like he's already been there, done that as a head coach. And that that kind of, I'll keep on using hard ass, that kind of hard ass mentality that he has. Well, it's like, who are you to say that when you haven't even won a football game as a head coach in your coaching career? But I would almost rather have that than somebody who's unsure of himself. It's nice. It'd be one thing if he was Rex Ryan coming in and guaranteeing Super Bowls, but he's not doing that. Correct. He says, this is a team. I got to evaluate this team, but this is what I'm going to focus on. Detail, um, teaching, stretching the right way, practicing and pat like. Yeah, it's it's tough nose, but it's really not that much, honestly. Like compared to old school, it maybe in today's NFL, but compared to 15 years ago, this isn't like some huge tough guy routine. I know, no. like today's NFL is kind of like coddles guys, and and I hate to like get into like like oh millennials, blah blah blah, but it it is it's, it's centered around getting guys working together. So there's going to be some changes, but it's not like the craziest thing in the world. Like he's not Tom Coughlin in the 90s. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. And we've already laid out the reasons why, even though he has this perception of him, at least when you watch his introductory press conference, why he's actually going to be a people person. And he's going to be about, be about relationships. Because when he says that, you, you kind of feel it. And that's all that we can go off of right now based off of this press conference. We can go off of our feelings and we can go off what we're feeling and based off of what he's saying. <laughs> so that's all that we yeah. can really go off of right now. But can, but can we talk a little bit about practicing in pads and – just some play, some play the play the tough nose clip and then we'll go into it. Okay. To punch you in the nose clip. Knock you out. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay. We're gonna put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of because this team will represent this area. We will play fast. We'll play downhill. We'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes. We'll play every play. Like it is a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. We will practice in pads. We will practice live tackling. Bobby, when I tell you that I felt my spirit being lifted 
<laughs> out of my body when he said this. So here's something about me that I've preached on uh, a show that I had bleeding blue for about 100 episodes uh, uh, periodically throughout. So after the Giants won the Super Bowl, there was a lockout. And that lockout lasted for a little while. And after the lockout was concluded, a new collective bargaining bargaining agreement was reached between the NFL, the owners, and the Players Association and the Players Union. Part of that collective bargaining agreement had that live tackling and practice time in pads was reduced. It was reduced pretty much to a large extent. I, I, they don't do two-a-days anymore. You know, they have their practices once a day for maybe two and a half hours, and then the rest of the day in training camp I'm talking about is really spent in the classroom. Now, Bill Parcells is a guy to say, coming from off of this collective bargaining bargaining agreement and coming off of these new practice arrangements, Bill Parcells is saying, you know, you would have football teams ready to rock and roll in the month of September. Now those teams, the progression at which they are ready to play, teams aren't really ready to fully ready to play football until like the month of November now because of how limited time that these NFL coaches get with these players. And especially when you're relying on young rookies like the Giants are, the one-on-one time that these coaches have on the actual football field and outside the classroom, very, very limited. So the fact that Joe Judge is emphasizing that we are going to tackle. How many times on game day, Bobby, do you see guys half-ass arm tackle, and poor tackling technique. How many times do you see that in today's NFL? Yeah, and I actually thought the Giants didn't do bad about that. But yeah, as, as the NFL as a whole, yeah. And that was a big thing Pete Carroll brought to the Seahawks when he came. He was like, we're going to learn how to tackle. We're going to practice tackling. And you only get a certain a lot of full padded practices. But even within those full padded practices, Justin, they weren't really practicing like full pad. They were kind of practicing the same way if it was just shoulder pads. They weren't no, like I was fully there. tackling each other. Like they, they, like when did you ever see anybody get tackled in camp or in a practice or anything? No matter Never. how many pads they had on. I've been going to Giants training camp practices since McAdoo started being the head coach. And granted, I understand you. You don't want to bring ball carriers, especially quarterbacks. You don't really want to tackle. No quarterback. Quarterbacks don't get tackled. They don't get touched, but. You don't really want to full-on tackle anybody, but you want to practice wrapping up. You want to practice putting yourself in a position, in a square position, football playing position, having your knees bent, trying to make a play on a ball carrier. And all you see now is defensive players approaching running backs. They're trying to punch the ball out. They're slapping them on the butt as they run by. They're slapping them on their shoulder. So then guess what? You practice how you play. The product on the field is going to result in you arm tackling because that's what you do in practice. Yeah, and so he's going to bring that. And I actually thought the Giants did a decent job of tackling, minus Janoris Jenkins. Um, I know people will come out. I know people couldn't stand Janoris' tackling. But yeah, it seems like he's going to bring the best out of that. And they punch you in the face like 90 for uh, 60 minutes like that. That just like, even if that doesn't mean anything, I, I just love hearing that, Justin. I absolutely could not agree more. Like I said, my spirit, it was lifted just by hearing, hearing those words, hearing just those knock, words. I was just knock lifted. me out, Joe judge, punch me in the face. Let's start punching people in the face. It just, it really like makes my soul warm. You know, formations and personnel. What- um, that's why he's the judge. Here comes the judge. That's why he's the judge. I've been listening to that song, the intro song, I've listened to it. I'm not exaggerating at least 20 times in the last day and a half. And that's, I, I'm not exaggerating. I've been listening to it like crazy. Hear ye, 
The court's in session. The court's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. And it's a dancing song. You could really dance to it. I mean, that's one of the lines in there. It's like uh, this judge. He don't. He uh, he don't dance. So yeah, it, it's a great song. So yeah, do you I, I'm think pumping. Joe Judge? Do you think Joe Judge would ever dance to this song? No, I don't think Joe Judge would dance at his own wedding. How about how about if they won a Super Bowl? They would definitely put this on in the locker room. He would dance. The, no, he's not going to dance. He's never going to be a dancer. I could tell. Mm. He, mm. Just I can't. But that is a good point. Like what? What do you? How do you think he'll act when we do win a Super Bowl with him? I feel like some people operate in a way where they just don't know how they would react if such great things happen. Like, for example, this one of my favorite movie quotes of all time is from The Dark Knight when Heath Ledger said, I'm like a dog chasing cars, and I'm I'm never going to know what to do when I actually catch one. Yeah, And I have a feeling at least Joe Judge as a head coach, he's going to be like that, even though I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, what what does he won like? Three na- like three Super Bowls and two national championships as a as a coach. So what am I saying? Yeah, we got to. He's, we he's get, clearly won we, before. Yeah, we got to get the film on that of his celebration. So that's something our listeners can do. Go find the film on that. Go find the film. Tag us on it. Okay, so here's a, a thing that I don't know how it rubs people. I thought it was kind of weird. Like I get the point he was making, and since we're talking about hard nose, is when he sat down with Papa and was asked about Saquon, he won't even mention he won't even say Saquon's name. When asked about Jones, he didn't even like he didn't even like answer the question about Jones. Uh, and I know he cleared it up afterwards, but I thought it was weird. I get the like treating every guy the same and making every guy earn it, blah, blah, blah. But I also was like, you know what? A big part of you coming here was Daniel Jones. And Saquon Barkley was the number two overall pick and was an amazing running back. So like I, I think those guys could get a little praise. I'm not mad about it. But I did think that was like, a, if you want to be like, oh, he's he's too hard nosed. I thought that was like a little silly. It's like, dude, you can you can talk about Daniel Jones. I'm actually on the flip side of you, uh, Bobby. Here, where I actually kind of appreciated the fact that he didn't bring up a single name, a single name on this roster. He did not say, because again, philosophy. That's all that we can really pull right now. And his philosophy, it's team. Right now, it's about the team. Right now, it's about the vision of the franchise. Right now, it's trying to put this franchise in the best in the best position to succeed. And if you're going to preach giving equal attention to every single guy on this roster, to all of the 53 guys on the active roster, if you're going to preach giving that active uh, that equal attention, the fact that he didn't mention Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley, even though he was asked about it, I kind of view that as like you know, if I'm a guy who is low on the totem pole on this roster. If I'm, if I'm the long snapper, for example, if I'm a long snapper, Colin Hoba, I, I kind of appreciate that. Do you see where I'm kind of coming from when I say that? Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I don't understand it. I, I completely understand it, but I also think in your introductory press conference, you can give a little praise to the QB. That was a, a huge part of you coming and, and was a part of the part of the interview was, what do you think about Daniel Jones? And he didn't say, uh, I will evaluate when I come inside and I will give everyone. He, no, he said, I think that kid's good. And he's a big reason why I want to be the coach of this team. So I get that. But also I think he, like you can be real for a second. Like he's the quarterback. He's a second year quarterback. Like it's, he is different than everybody else on the team. Now I'm not saying that you can't like a big thing that Belichick does is he'll ream out Brady at 30 at 40 years old. He'll ream out Brady the same way he did when he was 22. So I'm not saying like, don't do that. In the in the film room, 
But at your introductory press conference, I think you could give a, a couple of shining words. Like, yeah, I'm excited to get to work with him and, and learn more about him. I'm not saying he has to be like, oh, oh this guy is amazing. Can't wait to see what he goes. But even like, because you know how people are with like the, and luckily nobody said this, but like, oh, the Giants should draft Tua. Uh, you know, there was a, a one place that said that I can't remember who. Like if they wanted to, they could see like, this guy's not even committed to Daniel Jones. Maybe they're going to do a jo- uh, an Arizona model. Now, nobody's doing that, but it's just, I didn't think it would it'd be some, it would go completely against his philosophy to say, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to get to work with him. Well, I think he's, he's excited to work with this franchise. He's excited to work with this football team. It wasn't like he was going to get asked about Red Ellison and be like, honestly, I don't know. I think he might be a guy we have to move on for. Like, they, they weren't going to like go down the list asking his opinion on each player. It was Daniel Jones and Saquon. Those guys are different. And I think Saquon could use a kick in the ass because I think, and I dealt with this with a star running back in college where we'd watch film and I'd get my ass torn up and the left guard would get his ass torn up. And then our running back would miss a hole and be like, what were you thinking there? And it's like, no, like, like, tell, like, don't know, like, what do you think? What were you thinking? Or why did you do that? Ream him out for missing that hole. So I think Saquon could use that a little more than uh, Dimes could. Can we talk about um, how Judge actually talked about the interview process? There was one question where he was talked about, can you share anything about the interview? Yeah, go for it. Basically, one of the reporters, they did ask him about his overall interview process. And this is what he said. We spoke about discipline on the team and holding players accountable. It's a family business for ownership and myself. If that benefits family and represents something bigger than yourself, that's when I knew that this is where I wanted to be. So this is also kind of a rebuttal to your overall point, Bobby, about, you know, when you're asked about Barkley, when you're asked about Jones, why not say something a little bit about them? I really do think the way Judge approached this introductory press conference is that this is bigger than anything that is individually going on here. This he, he kind of took it from a micro perspective, which I think is what you're talking about, and he brought it out to this macro perspective where this is a family business. The New York football giants are a family business, and whether you want to criticize that for, for certain reasons, why the Giants have been losing the last couple of years or not, he recognizes that. He recognizes the history behind the franchise, and he's like, you know what? What I'm going to talk about today, this is bigger than myself because it's their family. It's my family. Football has been my family. It's been a, it's been a strong force within my own family, and call this corny as you want, Bobby. It's corny as hell, but I don't freaking care. This guy has got me pumped up. This guy has got me bought into his overall mission and goals. Oh, I, I'm right there with you. I was jacked up, and it, it was. It, and the reason I was is because it wasn't corny. It wasn't Matt Rule like motivational speeching. Like that's why I was pumped up about it. Um, but I did laugh at the like when he started talking about family, and he he seemed like he was going down a hole. Like uh, I'm a coach, so I neglect. Like, coaches neglect their family. It's just a fact. Like, especially as a head coach, you neglect your family. Um, and this this is coming off really bad because I'm just, like, accusing him of being a bad family member. But I thought it was funny. It's like, football is our family, and they they like football. <laughs> it's like, well, do they? Or are you just addicted to this because that's what the job offers? I don't know what my point was. His son was already giving him inputs on the roster, He's, I think he we said. We need to have his son on the show. What's his, What was his son's name? Oh wait, we gotta we gotta look back on that. That's another thing that sucks though, coming from the Patriots organization, um, is that Patriots players don't really get granted interview access. Whereas, like, I was scheduled to do an interview with the Patriots rookie last year or two years ago on Silman Radio, 
And he went to rookie camp and messaged me like later, like, ah, oh, we're not allowed to do interviews. All right, I'm going to look up Joe Judge's family. So I wonder if he has – do you think he has a Twitter account? Joe Judge? Oh, absolutely not. No, his son. Well, his son's 14, so it's possibly it's possibly he has an Instagram account. I would I would say what if maybe if he was a defense coordinator, or offense coordinator, Joe Judge, no. The fact that he's a special teams coordinator, maybe his son can get away from having an Instagram account. Because I think he was he was really trying to give inputs on on this roster already. I think he think he turned on that PlayStation. He saw what is going on with this Giants roster. Let me look and see who's on it. He did some uh, he did some Madden franchise for a hot second. Then he let his father know, hey, this is what I think you should do to start. I'm all for it. Do you, does he think DeAndre? Do you think he thinks DeAndre Baker's a bust? Ooh, I certainly hope not. Certainly hope not. <laughs> I blame I blame James, I blame James Betcher for everything. Terrible. Yes, yes, that's a good segue. His staff. I don't want to get into who he's going to bring in. We can just kind of do that as it comes along. But he said he's going to give everyone a fair shot. AKA, you're getting fired. Except for Thomas McGee, he's being brought back uh, according to reports. Um, but he's going to like bring in st- – like he hasn't picked a staff, but he has guys in mind. Um, Kitchens was one of those guys that was uh, reported. So we'll Yeesh. see. But um, Kitchens better not be the OC. I, w- I probably wouldn't like that. Not to say that he can't be a good OC. I just didn't like what he brought in Cleveland. I Honestly, I don't think they'd mesh. Like they're kind of an opposite personality. But, yeah, I think his – like like we said, his staff is going to be huge. And bringing in guys, like he said, 20 million times who are going to teach the game of football to these cats. Yeah. Justin, do you want to play the worst question of the presser? Now, most of the questions oh were pretty my good. God. Uh, Kim Jones had the culture one. She, It wasn't that bad. I'm a Kim Jones uh, hater, and it wasn't that bad. But we, we clipped the worst one. You got, you got it available? Yes, I do. I can't stand this guy. Hey, Joe, uh, Dave Waldstein. Pu- we should punch him times. in the nose for 60 minutes. Uh, a big part of your job will be dealing with reporters and media, uh, especially answering questions after games. <clears throat> And kickstart that process. I'm just curious, in the last game, what went into the decision not to have someone returning that last punt? I'm not going to get into any specific decisions on schematics. Um. What a douche. That guy, That you know what that guy's question was, Justin? Hey, man, uh, I'm important, and I'm going to make this about me. Uh, uh, the big part of your job is answering to the media, blah, blah, and I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, about the playoff game last week when you weren't a part of this team. What a douche. What was, Oh, I, I looked his name up. Dang it, I closed out my Twitter. I'm going to look. What was his name again? Play the beginning, Justin, and you can share your thoughts. Hey, Joe, uh, Dave Waldstein, New York Times. He, what a loser. I, I I wanted to just like – I wanted to punch that guy in the nose for uh, 60 minutes. For 60 minutes? Yes, just like Joe Judge said. We're going to punch guys in the nose for 60 minutes. That takes a lot of stamina. Should I follow him? <laughs> Honestly, it, I feel like I'd be punching down. He works for the New York Times, and he has eight thousand followers. I feel like that. I feel like that would be punching down. This was one of my favorite segments with Danny. Was let's type out tweets. What should mm-hmm. I tweet at Dave Waldstein? Let's do it right now. What should you tweet out right now? Yeah. Hey Dave, I appreciated your gen- your genuine question today. Hey Dave, great question today. We all think you're a brilliant football bu- mind. Nobody holds these cats accountable like you. Should I put anything else in there? I'm not mean. Something about making it about yourself. Mm. Okay, mm. I got it. I like the part where you said a big part of the job is answering to the media because 
because all head coaches are evaluated on if they can answer questions to the media and not if they win and lose games. All right, so read out the whole tweet. At Dave Waldstein. Hey, Dave, great question today. We all think you're a brilliant football mind. Nobody holds these cats accountable like you. Like the part where you said a big part of the job is answering to you because you guys are tough and more important than anything. Tweet. What a douche. Keep up the great work, Dave. Spe- Appreciate your work. Speaking of Dave, do you do you do you have any Dave Gettleman issues? <sighs> yeah, it's it's not really an issue. It's not really an issue. So Dave Gettleman today, after Joe Judge's press conference on the side, he was asked about. Uh, I don't even know what he was freaking asked about, but he brought up the fact that the top four rushing teams in the National Football League are all in the playoffs, and the top four passing teams in the National Football League are not in the playoffs. So that result, that graphic on Sunday Night Football or on NBC resulted in uh, many of us who kind of uh, I'm not I'm not going to say in the analytics community, but I guess we'll say it in the analytics community to really get people to really get upset with me right now. But a lot of people oh, I'm going to turn the listeners against you so, so hard. It really is already beginning. The, some of the listeners are turning against me. But what are we going to do about it? Because it's a fact. It, it, it is a fact. I'm not going to, to deny that the top four passing teams in the National Football League are not in the playoffs and the top four rushing teams are. But the meaning and the significance that people place behind that graph is what frustrates me. When you are winning in football games, what you are doing towards the end of football games, and especially during the second half, or maybe even maybe even throughout the entire game, because good teams, they get ahead early, and they stay ahead. They're running the football. They are running the football. What bad teams are doing, like the Giants, is that they're getting behind early, and they are playing catch-up throughout the entire part of the game, which results in a lot of passing yards. Now, not all yards are created equal. So I'm going to read I'm going to read you something and this came just based off of from this weekend. Just based off of this weekend looking at that Tennessee Titans game. In the 21 plays of Ryan Tannehill's horrible game. A lot of people would say that Ryan Tannehill did not have a very good game against the New England Patriots this weekend. So in 21 plays of his horrible game, 8 of his plays went for first down, so that's 38% and nine of those plays went for a positive EPA, which is 43%. In 35 carries of Derrick Henry's amazing game, 11 of them went for first downs, which is 31%, and 16 went for a positive EPA, which is 46%. So Derrick Henry had an amazing game where some might say he carried, quote-unquote, carried the team. Ryan Tannehill, in a horrible game, still had 38% of his plays Go for first downs. And you see that everywhere. Everywhere in the National Football League, efficient quarterbacks are always going to trump in terms of how much points they can put on the board and what leads to points. Efficient quarterbacks will always trump amazing running games. Okay, I agree QB is more important than running back. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. But... Like using the first down numbers, like Derrick Henry's, like, and we'll talk, I guess, solely on Derrick Henry. And uh, Derrick Henry, he sets up Ryan Tannehill. That's how he gets man coverage. That's how you get eight man boxes on a third, like on a third and four against the Titans. You got to be accountable for the run. For a lot of teams, you don't have to do that. You you're ready to stop the pass. Where the Titans, you can't do that. Like it sets it up. It's still part of football. I get like the oh throwing for first downs, but like. You can't say that Derrick Henry wasn't the lead, the the most impactful guy 
on the Titans offense. And the Titans didn't have some crazy offensive game. Like defense is still more important than both. Um, or like a great, a really good defense is more important than really anything, uh, especially in the playoffs. But like the, 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 let's talk about, let me talk about the four, the top four rushing teams being in the playoffs um, and the top four, the the top four passing teams not being in. I get that. I agree that that, that stat in itself is not like, it can be a little misleading. Like more so the passing stat, but the rushing one, it's not though. Like I get that teams with a lead are running more, but the Ravens running game was amazing. They were first and uh, like <laughs> they, they were first in yards per carry, like, and, and volume matters. Like you run, if you're running the ball, well, you can run the ball more often. And that like, that all plays into it. The 49ers, like, you don't think their running game and that Kyle Shanahan, we oh, like we praise Kyle Shanahan for his running game, and it sets up Garoppolo. Who like is anybody convinced Garoppolo is some great QB? I don't think anyone is. I think they that offense with the way they run the ball is set up for it. Um, the Titans, we talked about them. They are a running team, and it sets up Ryan Tannehill to where he's had some really good success. Um, and but let me ask you this question, Bobby. But, but let me at, ask you this question about the Titans. They're efficient. When when did but when did the Titans start having this success? They weren't having this success with with Marcus Mariota. Yes, they were. What they, changed? They would. Tannehill is definitely better than Mariota. I'll give you that. But the Titans were they, were, were, the they Titans play, were, were they a football team that was going to beat the New England Patriots with Marcus Mariota at quarterback? Were they even going to be a team? That I'm would not make the saying that with Marcus Mariota not, quarterback. I'm not saying that. Uh, t- well, Mariota could have. I mean, Mariota's won a playoff game before. Um, and- Tannehill has been the most efficient and one of the best quarterbacks in the entire National Football League the second half of 2019. Because this they isn't don't saying ask that he him is. to do a whole lot. Because they don't. They they're definitely like yards. Like in yards per attempt, they're six. The Titans, 21st in total yards, because they're not asking him to do a lot. And when you get man coverages because of Derrick Henry, it allows you to do something. And Tannehill's definitely better than Mariota. Mariota can't sit in a pocket and let things play out. Like he doesn't know how to read defense. Tannehill is better than that, and that's the reason they brought Tannehill in. Uh, and then the like this like and then look at their like their total yards. The Ravens are twenty seventh in total yards, but they're eleventh in average. The 49ers are thirteenth, third in average. The Titans are twenty first, sixth in average. Seahawks are fourteenth, twelfth in average. So the Seahawks are kind of the like the 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 one that is pretty balanced on there. Um, and those all, all of them are top 10 in yards per carry. So the, the running game sets up the passing game, and I feel like people ignore that. So I get that the Bucks had a bunch of passing yards and weren't very good, and that Bruce Arians, that running gun uh, offense. Like, that that offense is built to get a ton of yards. So I get that passing yards are inflated. I'm not arguing that passing yards uh, are inflated. But running is still super important. And then the quotes about Gettleman, like, running the ball. And, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, this guy, he's the worst. So, like – I, don't th- I feel like people aren't asking this question. So what does that mean? He drafted Saquon. So uh, this isn't even about Saquon for me. He drafted Saquon. He's got his QB. What are we so afraid of? Him drafting offensive linemen? Getting offensive linemen? Thank you, Jesus. Please get us offensive linemen, Dave Gettleman. And good offensive linemen set up for better passing and set up for Daniel Jones to not have the fifth most sack yards when he missed four games. <laughs> so it's like, what are we so afraid of? That he's going to get – more offensive linemen. I know we like to joke, oh, he's going to get another interior D lineman, Derek Brown. That's not going to happen. If it happens, like you should lose your mind, and rightfully so. But it's, I, I feel like people are like freaking out about what that he's going to get offensive linemen like that. Offensive linemen, everyone agrees, are like the most important thing. Like 
you can't have a bad offensive line with a great QB, and it's going to make that great QB struggle. So it's like, what are we so afraid of, of him getting a good offensive lineman? And, like, the Ravens, they aren't just get running the ball because they're leading games. They're running the ball because they're a running team. The 49ers are a running team. The Titans are a running team. So, well, I, I agree with you that I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than a good running team. I, I'm Nobody's disagreeing with that. But it matters. And, and like, the whole play-action argument. And I've seen the numbers. But, Justin, go back to the Vikings game when we played the Vikings. And, and look at the fact that – well, a side note, look at the fact that Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook went on the road with not very good QBs and Tannehill and Cousins. If they can be efficient and be good. Oh, God. No, do. don't tell His me that Kirk Cousins QB. has not had – He's Cousins had a great is a, year Cousins because is, of the weapons, because of that run game. Look at their Giants-Vikings game, that outside run. You don't think that outside run, how much we had to respect that, affected the outside run play action? We had, I mean, our linebackers were no, flowing no. like crazy. Dalvin Cook sets that offense up for Cousins to get those really good wide receivers and single coverage. Like, yes, Kirk Cousins has had a great year, but look at, look at that game. Look at Monday night when Dalvin Cook was out. Uh, against the Packers, Kirk Cousins was horrible. Play action has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with "quote unquote" establishing the run. So, th- and that when, is when not you, my opinion. With certain teams, it I does. I disagree with, with that. Hold on, hold on, does. hold on. I disagree with that opinion that I just said. I disagree with it, but there is data that backs that up. That you see, how often do the Los Angeles Rams, they've been relying on play action for all these years. The New England Patriots, they've been relying on play action all these years. Russell and they Wilson, ran the ball a, well. There's been, a, there's been a tweet that went out today from Russell Wilson that Dan Schneier quote tweeted. I, I recommend you to check that out. Where Russell Wilson was like, play action opens up so much for me down the field. So yeah. I would di- really disagree with you by saying that. I mean, nobody's disagreeing with that. Play That's action, the point. Well, no, but I'm but I'm disagreeing with you by saying that what happened in that Giants Viking games Viking game early in the year, I would take Kirk Cousins throwing a crossing pattern to Adam Thielen thirty yards down the field, way more than Dalvin Cook getting five yards per carry, five yards per chip. I said this metaphor to my mother earlier today. My grandmother's house is about a mile and a half from where I live in my apartment. I could walk there, sure. It would take me a long time. There's a good chance I could get hit by a car as I'm walking to my grandmother's house. There's more of a chance. It would take up a very large chunk chunk of my day. It's not extra, It's not exactly very efficient, but I could also just get in my car, start my car. It takes minimal effort on my end, and I also get there in a shorter amount of time. It's much more efficient, and it is much more sustainable for me to go to my grandmother's house when I am driving my car compared to walking a mile and a half every time I want to go over to my grandmother's house. And that same idea, that same logic exists when you're talking about passing versus rushing. But it's a 60-minute game no matter what. That's like saying, like, my grandma's going to be home in 60 minutes. I want to meet her there. Like, well, I could walk there and be there in 60 minutes, or I could be, get drive my car there and be there 10 minutes and have to wait 50 minutes. Time of possession. We talk about time of possession. Does it matter? Running the ball increases that. And, like, we watched that Giants-Vikings game. We watched our inside linebackers flow like crazy because of how good the Vikings were at running out and specifically outside. Nobody runs outside like the Vikings do. And we saw our linebackers flow like crazy. And what did we see? The back wide receiver, backside wide receiver, Thielen, come across the field and just get man-on-man easy because those middle linebackers were not occupying the middle of the field because of how good their outside run is. So, 
And like running the ball opens up the field. We talk about guys coming into the box. Like look at how many how many times there's a single safety high against the Titans. Like look at the touchdown that Tannehill had. I mean, it was man on man in the end zone, like with twenty well, yards to the one? field. Like there was a ton. Like why is there that much space when you're that close to the end zone? Because well, Derrick well, Henry's I'll, running I ability. I will tell on you why. I will tell you. No, it's not necessarily Derrick Henry's running ability. I have said this on Bleeding Blue time and time again, and I'm going to say it as we prepare for the 2020 season. The ability to pass out of rushing formations, that's extremely, extremely valuable. And that's something that Pat Shermer did in the second half of 2018 with Eli Manning, passing out of running formations, because it's not necessarily the fact the presence of one player is going to bring it's people It's not about one player. It's no. about a team coming together to run the ball. I'm not saying one no, running back a, no, does that, about for, but no, offensive linemen and a blocking tight end. No, it's not all about formations. Because if Evan Ingram is lined up in, as an inline tight end, you're not going to get as much respect as you would with Red Ellison as an inline tight end. I will, I will end with this. I didn't have as much of a problem with what Dave Gettleman said because he simply just pointed out a matter of fact. What I have the problem with is the philosophy and the line of thinking of this is how I'm going to approach roster building decisions of what getting guys in the trenches it's simply a matter of this is how i'm going to construct my roster that i'm going to value the running game more than daniel jones's ability to be an efficient quarterback the line of thinking that's the only problem i have with it besides like saquon barkley's huge but like he went and got golden tate he's got evan ingram receiving tight end like he drafted a qb and daniel jones he's going trying to draft offense like fix the offensive line for Daniel Jones, not like he's just like not doing the things that matter for a passing game. And well, by Golden the way, Tate's a guy that hasn't this, been able to get separation all year. But, but uh, he's also been Evan a beast. Ingram, like the Golden Tate played really well. Evan Ingram, when he's healthy, has was a monster. He, he would have been a Pro Bowler this year. So, and this is all amplified, Justin, in the playoffs. It gets amplified in the playoffs because you know what? Defenses are playing a little more tight. Secondary guys, linebackers, they're studying a little more film. And what is film proof? Running the ball, saying I'm pitting my five, six, seven guys against your five, six, seven, eight guys, and we're going to see who's a bigger bully. And that happens in the playoffs. It's amplified more in the playoffs. Look at the way the Patriots won last year. It wasn't because Brady. It's because they were pounding the rock. They pounded the rock all over the Chiefs. They did against the Rams. The Rams, how'd they get to the Super Bowl? They pounded the rock for over 200 rushing yards against the Cowboys. Like it's it's It matters in the regular season. Nowhere near as much in the regular season. And no one's arguing that QB play isn't more important than running like running the ball. It is. It's way more important. But running the ball matters, and it definitely matters more in the playoffs when things get tighter. I'm looking at something right now, and as this is this is an overall trend. As win probability goes up, the efficiency and the effectiveness of pass plays that also goes up. And that's a gradual. Uh. Of course, no one's saying passing. Of course, like no one's saying that. Like, oh, you shouldn't pass the ball. QB is much more important than running. Yes, no one's no one's denying that. It's the fact that can saying you, like can you let me finish? Can you let me finish, Bingo. please? As winning probability goes up, rushing production goes down dramatically. Now, this is it even goes down dramatically for when you get towards 0% to 25%. So I'm not even talking about uh, duh obviously rushing over, rushing efficiency and rushing production is going to go down once you reach a 75% winning winning probability because 
obviously that's what you're going to, you're winning. So you're going to be running the ball over and over and over again. But this even dramatically, dramatically goes down. And if you want, I have this, I have this picture saved. I can tweet it out tomorrow. You can DM me and I could send it to you so you can save it on your own camera roll. But rushing the ball quickly in a football game, it loses is it loses its importance, especially, especially as win probability goes up and it loses its significance and its value very, very quickly. Then I, I, I then how do you explain the top four rushing teams being the playoffs? And they're all top ten in efficiency. The Ravens are first in yards per carry. The 49ers are eighth in yards per carry. And the more volume you are, the less your yards per carry should go because there's the less the big plays uh influence those numbers. So it's like they they have more volume, but they're also doing it at a top ten rate in yards per carry. And they're freaking pounding in the end zone too. Three the top three have twenty plus rushing touchdowns. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad for those football teams. But how, then, how do you explain when I give the rebuttal that Jimmy Garoppolo is a much better quarterback than you're giving him credit for, where he's been extremely efficient this year as it relates to completion percentage over expected and EPA? If because you want to look up what those two metrics are, you go for it. Can you? Can you let me finish, Bobby Skinner? Can you let me finish? Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins has been a fan. Uh, re- really, when he's not playing either on primetime football or he's not playing. <laughs> Or he's not playing against the Green Bay Packers. He's been a very, very good quarterback. Uh, Drew Brees, which you're know, you're looking at, you're looking at that uh, St. Uh, St. Louis. You're looking at that New Orleans team, and you're saying to yourself, "Oh, they're all, they've almost become a running first team." He has been the most efficient quarterback when it comes to CPOE and EPA over this entire season. And obviously, Lamar Jackson is the MVP when he's doing both the damage of you know his work in rushing and passing. So I bring that to you. And then I've, you're just going to give me the same rebuttal that you gave me, and we're going to be going back and forth. But you ha- you mentioned Kirk Cousins. He's been extremely yes. efficient. Has he been more efficient? Oh, than also Aaron- Russell Wilson as well. Has he been more efficient than Russell Aaron Wilson Rogers? as well? Has Kirk Cousins been more efficient than Aaron Rodgers this year? Yes, he's now, been a much better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers this year. Swap the guys. Put Rodgers on the Vikings team and put uh, Cousins on the Packers team. What do you think happens? The only thing that Aaron Rodgers has done exceptionally well this year is not throw a ton of interceptions. So do that's you, the only thing that Aaron he's done exceptionally well. I'm asking you to give your opinion. If Aaron Rodgers is on the Vikings team and Kirk Cousins is on the Packers team, a clean swap. So now Aaron Rodgers, instead of having just Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, has Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. is is about as good as a dual threat tight end as there can be after Greg uh, Kittle. Dalvin Cook, that ability to run outside. Who's more efficient? Who like? I, don't, don't don't overthink it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still a great quarterback. I would say Aaron Rodgers would fit extremely well in that spot, but that that question has nothing to do with I think our overall conversation <laughs> that, in terms of I really don't. I, I don't think that has exactly, nothing to do with our conversation. Running the ball helps quarterbacks. Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill's <laughs> played on other teams before. Was he the most efficient in Miami? I think I think we're going nowhere. That's that's <laughs> that's my play opinion. Dylan's voicemail and let's end this damn thing. Let's end on a good note. Hey, what's up, Bobby? Let's run what's the up, ball. Justin? This is Dylan Rivera. I'm just giving you guys a call because I just wanted to just show you my appreciation as a fan. Um, I loved both shows individually before you guys joined forces, but I'm real excited for uh, the off season. listening to you guys break down the draft situation, the free agency. Um, I really just wanted to show my support. You guys are both – both the collective men and I appreciate everything you guys do for uh, 
you know, us fans who are just, you know, we're just spectators. So, I mean, maybe you guys could uh, talk about some defensive options in the next uh, episode and see if you guys talk about maybe schemes. Um, Interior D linemen. See if maybe the growth of our youth can really contribute to uh, some sort of run, maybe not a Super Bowl or playoff run, but just to, just to show the league that we're not the joke that the media makes us. And um, that's really it, guys. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the new year. And, uh, you know, let's talk Giants, baby. Dylan Rivera is absolutely fantastic. Um, I please, I, I, I ask and I beg of you, just because you may disagree with me, based off of what I'm giving you is kind of stats and something that is not an opinion, please don't unsubscribe and give us a negative rating just because you agree with me, where Bobby Skinner is giving his opinion and something that he sees with his eyes, where I'm giving you data. Okay. That was very sassy, by the way. <laughs> Justin, and, and we'll finish with this. I think the issue is not that, like, oh, like, the EPA equation. No one's saying, like, oh, that doesn't – the equation isn't real. I think it's some people just don't really subscribe to that as much as others. And I think guys who've been in football like, – like, I love analytics. I think it's great. Like, look at second down and long run tendencies. Like, don't run on second and long, things like that. I love that kind of stuff. But I think when evaluating players, it gets a little overused. And I think you agree on that too, Justin. Like you're not like a like an all analytics. Like you like them and you use them. But I mean, I think you I think you agree. Like I don't I don't know. I feel like you agree with that. And like I said, no one's unsubscribing. It's a good this is good radio. People should like this. It's a little a little spiciness, a little sassiness. And if anyone thinks because you it's just you know what, there's as many people that disagree with me. It's just my side's a little louder. Oh, any last words, Justin? <laughs> any last words? No, I, I I enjoyed especially the 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 second half of this because we went from did you being, though? Like, oh my god, <laughs> uh, we feel we feel we feel <laughs> we feel great about Joe Judge and we're feeling so happy and we and we're going to be so positive. And then Bobby Skinner and I just absolutely just took, we took off the gloves and uh, we we had this is our fir- this is our first street fight. This is going to be one of our first of many street fights. <laughs> And they'll they'll probably happen over the off season too because this is these hey, these are the types of conversations that you have in the off season. Hey, we should do a vote. Leave a rating and review who you think is right, and that oh God, that oh. w- that's oh. analytics right there, Justin. We'll do, we'll do the. You literally just said you're. That's analytics. <laughs> you literally just said your crowd is louder for you. Yeah, it's like so it's, my my crowd is more efficient. I, what can I say? Um, oh, oh God! Oh, but I'm t- you're you're really funny. Ever since I took off this that that sound bite, but I'm t- you're really funny. So much. Ah, uh, but you've been, you've been so funny off. since then. Playing the piss me off. All right. Oh yeah. Here we go. Oh, oh, that pisses me off. That pisses me right off. I love that one. Uh, I right. could just do all dumb and dumb drops. All right, Dylan. We thank you. We're gonna get into some positional reviews uh, starting next week. I think we're gonna start with tight ends. We're just going to talk about that position, each player, where we see them on the on the team in the future or not on the team, uh, and then and like that's our format. Is first twenty to twenty five minutes is current news and affairs, and then we hit a subject in the off season. So next Tuesdays will be uh, probably like coordinator talk, who the coordinators are, and then we'll talk about tight end. So we appreciate you guys. Leave a review, voting who is right. Vote for me, vote for me, and we'll be back next Tuesday. We appreciate you guys. Court is in session. We got the judge. Be happy. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. Until then, let's go big blue.